0: heights to the depths of the sea
1: but why am i bringing this up anyway well as we get into the birth of christ and as we find out what has happened recently on may 2nd last monday it's a significant deal for life it's significant in the church and it's significant to the lord because as i'll as we'll look at later i believe that our country right now is heading in the wrong direction
0: Glame like- everyone and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. As Pastor Rob continues with our study of the birth of Jesus Christ, he incorporates a current event involving abortions to our study. The birth of Jesus Christ is an example of how precious life is to God and should be also to us. It should be noted that in the Old Testament, Israel was punished by God for sacrificing babies to idols. God does not accept sacrificing babies at any cost or justification. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress.
1: Law clerks alike, intensely loyal to the institution and dedicated to the rule of law, Court employees have an exemplary and important tradition of respecting the confidentiality of the judicial process and upholding the trust of the court. This was a singular and egregious breach of that trust that is an affront to the court and the community of the public servants who work here. I have directed the marshal of the court to launch an investigation into the source of the leak. Now, I bring this up today, and we're going to go on a little bit further here, not to make any woman here feel uncomfortable at all. I'm not not going to talk about gory details, okay? Don't worry about that. I'm not going to go there. But why am I bringing this up anyway? Well, as we get into the birth of Christ, and as we find out what has happened recently on May 2nd, last Monday, it's a significant deal for life. It's significant in the church. And it's significant to the Lord because, as, I will, as we'll look at later, I believe that our country right now is heading in the wrong direction. And you, it's okay if you disagree with me. It's going in the wrong direction. I believe that God is judging our country. I don't believe that what's happening is the judgment. I think it's, it's, it's already here. That's a big deal, folks. For the church, we need to see that for what it is. Not to shy away from it, but to understand what's happening. Why? Because the lives of innocents are certainly at stake. But also the the souls of many are at stake as well. The souls of many people, physical and spiritual, there's so much at stake here. So it is a big deal. So I found myself compelled to share what I'm going to share with you. And it won't take long. But it, I, I felt that needed, we needed to kind of get this out on the table. Because many of us, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and, and do you know what the Bible says about this? Because we're going to look at some of the scriptures. And we're going to look at why it's important for us today. Because it's extremely important. How we respond to this as Christians, biblically, is paramount. Okay? Okay. That's why I'm bringing it up. I'm not trying to be political. There's some political things in here, but I'm trying to not be political. I'm telling you the truth. And you can challenge me on any of these things I'm going to share with you. But ladies, I want to tell you that if you've had an experience in your life where you've had to have an abortion and you've come to Christ and you've asked God to forgive you, it's a done deal, okay? You don't need to walk around with that cloud over your head any longer. okay? You, you, you really have to understand that. That's how awesome God's salvation is. He paid the price for that too. So I don't want anyone here, if you've had an abortion in the past, to feel guilty at all. If, you, if it's under the blood, it's under the blood. Okay, You have to believe that. Otherwise, you're going to be a walking wounded, and God would not have you that way. Because you have turned. Things are different now in your life. There's a new sheriff on your heart. It's Jesus Christ. So does everybody understand? That's very important for you to understand. And there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so... um, We will look at what the Bible also has to say about abortion, and I I just want to make a statement. The pro-choice movement is wrong, and if you're a Christian here this morning, you've got the scripture and God to wrestle with, and so I'm going to tell you the truth. It's wrong, it's misguided, and it's sinful. It is, and it's an affront to Almighty God. It is. It is. Those who are proclaiming my body, my choice... And I can understand the humanity of that. I do. I understand that. And we have to be empathetic and, and compassionate with people because it's a, it's a serious deal to be pregnant and to be a woman to be pregnant. There are many things that happen in a woman's life that are very difficult. And I, I, I don't, I'm I not a woman, so I don't know, but I understand that that's true. It's a, a very difficult place to be in, especially if the father has taken off and now you've got to support this child. There are many things screaming at you to get rid of the child, to get rid of the child, and in in your heart of hearts you know what's wrong and yet sometimes you, you you cave into the pressure perhaps from a spouse a boyfriend maybe you're even your own parents or something or even your own conscience whatever it is it's a very difficult very very difficult thing and I don't want to misplay that or downplay that at all but those who are saying this out in our culture now my body my choice are only thinking of themselves they're not thinking about the the child whose body is in them Because that's the body that God cares about as well. So I want to be careful. In fact, the typical person, the typical woman who seeks an abortion is, number one, already a mother. And this is a recent thing, recent news, uh, research. Research. Is already a mother, is in her late 20s, attends some college, has a low income, is unmarried, is in her first six weeks of pregnancy, is having her first abortion, and she lives in a blue state. Those are the statistics. And by the way, I got that from the New York Times. Yes, that's what the New York Times says. That's right off the press, hot off the press. But the data from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, and the Guttmacher Institute where they compiled all this information, the information is still incomplete because the CDC, whose most recent statistics are from 2019, doesn't collect data from California, Maryland, or New Hampshire. And those are big abortion states. And the data from uh, Guttmacher, which collects more more complete information from people obtaining abortions as well as clinics, was last updated in 2014. So there's still a lot of information that's missing from this. It's incomplete. And I want to share with you another excerpt from an article published in the Biomed Central website. And uh, it says concerning women's reasons for uh, abortion. And it says, women's reasons for seeking an abortion fell into 11 broad themes. The predominant themes identified as reasons for seeking abortion, including financial decisions or financial reasons, 40%. The timing of it, 36%. Partner-related decisions or reasons, 31%. And the need for focus on other children, 29%. And most women reported multiple reasons for seeking an abortion, crossing over several themes, and that was 64%. And at the bottom of that article, it even says this, that the majority of American women who have had abortions, approximately 1.21 million women per year, do not publicly disclose their abortion experience or engage in policy discussions at a a representative uh, representative group. So even all of these statistics that I've shared with you even so far, which I'm not going to go into any more than that, are incomplete, and they're conservative, I believe. So what this boils down to, and please bear with me, and again, I don't want to underestimate any woman's uh, difficulty that she's been in, what this boils down to is that an overwhelming majority of women who have had abortions didn't get their abortion because their life was at stake their life wasn't at stake if they had the child the overwhelming majority is something else financial planning you know it wasn't the right time all those other things and that that's a pretty big statistic and 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 um while I can in the natural have compassion, like I said, none of these things are valid for having an abortion. Financial reasons, I mean, they're significant, don't get me wrong, they're very hard. But there are other things that a woman can do. There's adoptions. There's abstinence. There's birth control. There are many other options to, for things like this to happen. So, the, it, this child that's growing is a human being. Not a clump of nerves, not a clump of cells. It is a living human beings. So what does the Bible have to say about abortion, and how are we as Christians to respond? The Bible tells us that God is not a respecter of persons, which means he doesn't treat one group of people different from another group of people. He treats everyone the same, and we're going to see this as we look in the scripture, because God judged the Canaanites, remember, for their idolatrous worship of Molech and other false gods. These ancient worship services included human sacrifices, infanticide. They sacrifice their children on altars to demons. And God used the children of Israel to bring judgment upon those Canaanites. He did. The Canaanites and the Israelites, uh, they didn't have the sophisticated tech that we have today. They They had to wait until the child was born, and then they performed the abortion. They performed it at the altar of these false gods. And, and this picture that I'm showing right, from you right now is a, a picture of a Canaanite altar that I took when we were up in uh, Megiddo. And this goes back to like 2500 to 1800 BC. These are the altars that they sacrificed children on. So this is nothing new. It was very postpartum Murder. And this was part of their worship services. And notice what happens in Genesis 15. Remember when God spoke to Abraham in a covenant, God said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 400 years, speaking of the Egyptians uh, enslaving the Israelites, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried at a good old age, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here, Abraham, here in the land of Canaan, where you are right now, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The Amorites were a part of a bigger group of people called the Canaanites. These were the people who worshipped at that altar and sacrificed their children to their false gods. And so God would bring the Israelites at the appropriate time out of Egypt to dispossess the people of Canaan. Why? Because God was a bigot? Because God didn't like their skin color or something? No, it had nothing to do with that at all. In fact, it had everything to do with sin. Everything to do with skin. Sin, excuse me, not skin. It had everything to do with sin. Better correct that. Thank you so much. But he did. He, God warned his people as they were getting ready to cross that Jordan River, God spoke to Moses in Deuteronomy 18, and he says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, notice the warning that God is giving to his own people before his own people cross over into the promised land and then go and destroy everybody in the land of Canaan, as God told them to do. Why did he do that? Because they were doing these horrible practices for hundreds of years. And remember what he said to Abraham? He said, You guys aren't coming out yet because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet In other words, I'm giving them time to repent. I'm giving them space to repent. But now is the time, God says, that I want you to go in and I want you to wipe out everything. And that's really hard to hear today, isn't it? But God is serious about sin. We aren't, but God is. He's always been serious about sin in our lives as well. But notice, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, oh my goodness, (laughs) You shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among any of you one who makes a son or daughter to pass through the fire, or who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets uh, omens, or a sorcerer. For all these things, he says in verse 12, are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. And then he goes on in Deuteronomy 20, verse 16, and he says this, But of the cities of these peoples, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And why is that? Verse 18 tells us, Lest they teach you to do according to all of their abominations which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. That's why. It's all about sin. And God gave them a long time to repent. And what they would do is they would put these babies. The Israelites had learned this from the Canaanites. And they built these, these, the, the, the God of Molech. They would build a molten image and they would heat that thing up and they would place the children, the babies, they would place them in the arms of Molech and they would incinerate. And they were incinerate. And that was ancient abortion, postpartum. Nowadays we do it inside the secret of the womb. But, In 2 Kings chapter 16, it says, In the seventeenth year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah. and And it tells us some information about him, and I'm just going to get to the point here. It says that he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire. He made his son do exactly what we saw in that previous graphic. He put his son into the arms of this false god that was heated up and molten, you know, Uh, red hot and he sacrificed his son on the altar to these false gods really to demons and God judged his people They continued doing this for a long time, a couple hundred years, and then finally God had had enough with it, and we're not going to have a whole lot of time, but I'm going to give you the verses, and I want you to read them, and I'll summarize them for you. 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 5 through 19, you can see it up there on the screen, and also 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 16. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because they continued to do this, and in in 2 Kings chapter 17, it talks about the king of Assyria coming and besieging Samaria, the northern ten tribes of Israel. And why did he do that? Because they were doing the same thing, and they were the first ones to be taken to captivity. You all know this in 721 BC. And why? Because they were doing these things, among other things, but they were doing these things as well. And God says, Israel... If you don't repent, and God sent prophets, we didn't have time to go into all the prophets. He prophesied day and night to them. They didn't listen. They disobeyed God. They continued in this horrible thing. And God says, okay, enough's enough. I'm going to send judgment. And he did. He brought the Assyrians, took the northern ten tribes captive. And then it says at the bottom of 2 Kings chapter 17, at the very bottom it says that also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made and so now we go to chapter 21 of second kings and we learn that Manasseh did the exact same thing he did the exact same thing and he made his son pass through the fire he practiced soothsaying used witchcraft consulted spirits and the Lord spoke to his servants the prophets saying Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done this thing, he has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him, speaking of the Canaanites. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears it, both his ears will tingle and I will stretch my, uh, over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab and I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish. And he basically says, I am going to deal with Jerusalem now, Judah, the, northern, or the southern two tribes. And what did he do? He brought judgment from a pagan nation, Babylon, and he brought them against his own people. Do you see the thing here? God used his own people first to judge the Canaanites for their sin, but when they moved in and they didn't do the job completely, they began to inherit those idolatrous practices, began doing these same things, and now God's got to judge his own people by who? Gentile nations. Gentile pagan nations who are doing even worse things than they are, and God judges them. First 10, go into Assyria. The second two, into Babylon. Do you see? He's not a respecter of persons. God is not going to put up with this nonsense. So what does the Bible have to say about abortion? Well, Exodus tells us, chapter 20. You can write these verses down. I'm going to read them quickly to you. You shall not murder. What is abortion? It's murder. It doesn't matter whether it's in the womb or outside of the womb. It is Murder. You should not commit adultery. And it's usually adultery that leads to the murder. Usually, not always. Notice in Psalm one twenty seven it says, "Behold, no, notice the good news here." And I'm, I, I put this in here specifically because I knew right about now all of you are going, "I really didn't, I really shouldn't have come today." <laughs> right? It's a hard thing to hear on, on on Mother's Day, but then again, we're talking about the birth of Christ and we're talking about this monumental thing that's going on in our country. So I think it's important that we look at it right. Behold children are a heritage from the womb notice the fruit of the womb is his, is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior so are the children of one's youth happy is the man who has his quiver full of them they shall not be ashamed but shall speak with their enemies in the gate what did it tell us in Deuteronomy chapter 30 God speaking to the children of Israel, before they cross over into the promised land, he says to them, see, I have set before you today life and good and death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. There it is. That's God's heart for you to live and to multiply. Wasn't that the command back in Genesis? That you live and you multiply? Wasn't that his commandment to Adam and Eve? His commandment was, well, you know what? When the earth gets about 3 billion people, you might want to start exterminating some because Bill Gates will be really happy. Um, You need to eliminate a lot more people, and here's how you do it. Was that God's heart at all? No, he says, it never came into my mind. It never came into my mind. That's what he says. That's what he says, right? And notice, And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, and by the way, that did happen, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I almost wonder if God knew that they were going to do that. Of course he did. That's why he warned them over and over again. Talk about... Um, um. He says, I announce to you today that you shall, you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days. And notice, I, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to be about, folks. That's why I'm sharing this on Mother's Day. And I... I you know, it's it's a hard thing to take. I, I get it, but again, the birth of Christ and what has just happened in our country is huge, and it's going to be huge. But what does it say in Matthew? Remember, Jesus. At the t- at the same time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, "Why, well, son, almost sound like Southern Baptist He said to Jesus, "I, I said that. So. Sorry about that. I just I was I did grow up in the South, so I think a little bit came upon me there."
0: That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140.